You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. We've got a great show for you this week. Covering the new books from Wednesday, November 4th. Top of the month. A couple of big releases. We're ready to dive right into them. We do have a moderator with us today. You want to say hello? Hi, I'm Jasmine. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, Let Your Geek Side Show, Instagram. I'm chatting with you in the comments. Say hi. Hi. Hi, Jasmine. (laughs) I like how every week. Amy poses it. Amy poses it as a question like, "Jasmine, would you like to say hi?" One of these days, Jasmine's going to say, "No, I'm absolutely not. not. Absolutely not. That's a pass for me, dog." So you guys can, uh, yeah, you guys can be chatting with her, uh, ask her questions. She'll get them to us. Uh, comments, questions, concerns, all throughout the show on all those pro- platforms. If you are watching live, it is Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time uh, on all those channels. But if you are joining us for the podcast format, welcome. It is the day after New Comic Book Day, so hopefully you'll still be able to find uh, these book releases at your local store but before we get into the releases for the top of the month we do have some exciting comic book news a little bit of a slow week but the the news items are nice and punchy so our comic book news for this week we're going to start with uh, a new release from donny cates that had no prior warning to it writer donny cates and artist dylan burnett have released a new horror comic called the one you feed it debuted with no prior announcement through publisher panel syndicate uh, which is an online platform and the first of it, uh, issue is available to read at a pay-what-you-can price. Uh, so if you can't afford but you would like to read, you are welcome to check it out. There are um, options for you to read it paying what you can. But be sure, if you can't afford to check out this comic, uh, pay them pay them a decent fair price. Uh, hopefully from the AIM segment, we've given you enough ideas about how much a comic book is worth. But who can really put a price on artwork? Um But the story is based on the old adage about everyone having two wolves inside of them that represent light and darkness, and the one that survives or wins the fight is the one that you feed. Uh, So this is a story set in a future where humans turn into demons at nightfall, and those demons reflect their inner self. They're either good wolves or bad wolves. Uh, And a young man named Apollo must brave uh, brave the night outside of the sanctuary city in order to claim his destiny, but he doesn't know quite what his destiny is supposed to be and if everything that he knows about this world is true so you guys can check out the one you feed by donny cates and dylan burnett at panelsyndicate.com. up next as well this is a little bit untimely because last week we didn't cover uh we didn't cover new releases we did our spooktacular halloween special but last week batgirl number 50 hit the stands as the final chapter to the ongoing current series from dc comics but more than just batgirl the book introduced a brand new dc character who fans will recognize soon enough as the batwoman of the cw television series played by javicia leslie the character's name is ryan wilder who in the comic is disillusioned with gotham's government and lives out of her van the character has been described as messy goofy she's openly lesbian and is highly skilled but wildly undisciplined uh batgirl number 50 is likely to be a key issue because of this so it might be a little harder to find this week but you still can pick it up digitally if you're curious to meet ryan wilder before the cw show but this is a great opportunity for fans to check out uh this new appearance of a new batwoman who is going Mm -hmm. to be making a live action debut soon so I think yeah. that one, that's that's pretty cool. And fingers crossed, you can still find a copy and that scalpers haven't uh, jacked up the price unnecessarily on Batgirl number 50. Yeah, tell them if they, if the price is too ridiculous, tell them Amy sent you. <laughs> they'll, they'll lower that price. Um, so lastly, uh, The Strange Talent of Luther Strode, a series by Justin Jordan, Trad Moore, and Trad Moore, I'm sorry, is going to be adapted for the big screen. Uh, it'll be helmed by All Nighter. Uh, produced by Amanda Cruz, Dinesh uh, Shamdasani, and Hunter Gorenson Shamdasani. Ooh, sorry. Yeah, got it. Sorry. <laughs> previously helped, uh, which they had previously helped uh, adapt Valiant's uh, Bloodshot. I know they've also worked on The Witcher as well. Uh, so The Strange Talent of uh, Luther Strode is an image comic series about a skinny teenager who finds a workout program, The Hercules Method, at an old bookstore, and he transforms into a superhuman who must combat others whose power has gone to their heads. Uh, it's a slasher horror story uh in the vein of spider-man sort of like if peter parker uh didn't have uncle ben as his moral anchor um there really isn't that much news um about this this i believe this is just broke but when we know you'll know but that's uh, the strange tales of luther strode is a really wild book by image so if you can pick that up i highly recommend it 
And it had two follow-up series as well. I think the the legacy of Luther Strode and right. another one that I can't quite remember at this moment, but that's a that's a pretty cool uh, story to see see being adapted soon. Yeah, definitely by a, a team that can definitely get it done. So it'll be exciting. All, All right. right. Yeah. So, so that concludes our news for the week. Uh, yeah. Uh, so up next, we've got our annual annual weekly tradition <laughs> of panel. <laughs> Has it it's only not been it. a year? I don't think so. Wow, you know, look we're, at that. We're coming up. We're coming up on a year of comics hall soon. I think. <laughs> I think we started in December, but that's not. That's neither here nor there right now. We do have our panel of the week competition yes. where Paul and I uh, pick a panel based mm-hmm. on a certain theme, and we ask you guys to weigh in on which one is visually superior. Yes. Uh, this I, I like we- the way that that you phrase that, Amy. We 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 change uh, the description of this segment every single week. <laughs> It's never the same. So visually superior, who do you personally all like more? Um, what is uh, who has the best taste? You know, it runs the gamut. <laughs> so those, those, those lovely criteria. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, this week, as opposed to last week, because everything was Halloween hype last week, we wanted to take a little time to relax ourselves. And this week we chose uh, panels that represent our favorite superheroes off duty. Uh, so I will take the lead. I chose the panel from Justice League's Justice League of Amazons, uh, number one from 2001 from DC Comics, written by Ken uh, Len Kaminsky. Excuse me. Pencils by Aluir Am- uh, Amancio, inks by Claude Saint Aubin, and colors by Gloria Vasquez. Um, now, I really I'm a sucker for any of the like Marvel swimsuit pinups. Uh, I think DC should have a swimsuit pinup calendar, but uh, this is this is from Justice League's Justice League of Amazons. They've gotten to take a break. Uh, lots of famous ladies from DC Comics here, and I just thought this was a fun composition, and I also didn't think that Marvel swimsuit should technically qualify for this because those are full pages, and this is actually a panel. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a great it's a great panel. I also, like, I don't, we don't ever think about the uh, Amazonian rivers as much, you know, like, I feel like it's underutilized. Uh, so yeah, I love this panel. <laughs> so now you want to explain uh, what you chose, Paul? <laughs> I sure do. Uh, for, I, I was right. <laughs> so I chose a panel from Doctor Strange number one um, from the 2015 series by writer Jason Aaron, art by Chris Pachalo, and colors by Leonardo Romero. Uh, you'll see here Doctor Strange casually taking a stroll down Greenwich Village. Um, Amy did make a, a great catch there. Um, that I had kind of forgotten about that that is the uh, that is Doctor Strange's cape sort of wrapped up as like a sweater slash uh, a scarf there so that's a really really cool catch and you can see um, that it's a mix of black and white and color panel with the people of New York City unknowingly walking around with uh, as explained interdimensional bacteria attached to them um, I love it because the because Doctor Strange and the interdimensional bacteria is in color but all of the people in New York are in in black and white yeah, getting some a, like cool Beetlejuice vibes from whatever snake-like thing is going <laughs> through yes. there so you guys uh in the let your geek side show group you voted uh chose your favorite version of a superhero taking a day off mm-hmm. and do we even need the drum roll anymore at this point sure do drum roll please drum and the roll, winner roll. is paul <laughs> for the I'm third going. week in a row <laughs> i think it's the second week in a row i won zombies last week and this one I, I think this is the third week because you wasn't those zombies bef- wasn't before the zombies Atlantis or uh, I don't Zombie, remember. Zombies was for our spooktacular, right? If anyone's which was keeping last track, week. <laughs> uh, Amy's Amy's down in the polls right now, but that's yeah, okay. I think it's six four currently right now. Uh, I think I'm only two ahead, but we'll see. All if you want, Amy, I can take the extra point. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> that way I can't be caught. But yes, thank you all so much to everyone who voted uh, in the Little Geek Set Show Facebook group. We normally put up a poll about every Friday, um, and we had the most people ever vote in this particular one. Uh, very clearly, you were all very, very passionate about these two panels. So thank you all so much for voting. Uh, we will have a new panel going up in two days in on Friday in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. But we don't want to just ostracize anyone who isn't in the group. We totally understand. So me and Amy are, and, and Jasmine, we are all working very, very hard on another way to sort of bring that to our other platforms. So please stay tuned. Yes. Yes, in case you are not in the Let Your Geek Side Show group. And at the latest, the polls do go up Monday if we don't make Friday. But uh, um, 
always something new and fun for you guys to check out. So now it is time for the weekly haul. I mean, this is the first week of the month, first Wednesday of the yes. month. It is November 4th. So we'll be covering some of the biggest releases. But before we get to the books, we did want to highlight uh, another creator for our Busy Bee of the Week segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Busy Bee of the Week is a segment where we kind of want to let you know if you're if you're a fan of a particular writer or artist or creator, um, something about their work is on the shelf multiple times this uh this week at, at your local store. And so we want to make sure to highlight that right. you can get a really nice uh, spread. And it's also just a way to highlight how much work these creators do in the industry. Yeah. So this week, we're taking a look at Kelly Thompson's lineup of uh, three killer Marvel titles yes. uh, from Kelly Thompson. This week, we've got Black Widow number three, we've got mm-hmm. Deadpool number eight, and Captain Marvel number 23. So these yes. are all in the middle of their respective runs. Black Widow is close enough to the um, start of the run that you can probably still find the other issues and, and mm-hmm. catch up. But um, Paul and I are each reading Captain Marvel and Black Widow, right? Right. Yeah. I, I wasn't even aware that she was writing Deadpool. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, there's so many books. I mean, it's I think it's 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 uh, easy to say that we can't be expected to know what every book is going out. But um, I was really surprised to see that she was also writing Deadpool. I had no idea. But she yeah. seems like she seems perfect for it. Yeah, she and and what's even better is the character Elsa Bloodstone uh, did feature heavily in the first arc of Deadpool. This is uh, oh, this is Deadpool where he's king of Monster Island. Uh, very fun, very energetic. But Elsa Bloodstone, of course, comes from a monster hunting family. Elsa did feature in her A Force work and Jessica Jones. So Kelly Thompson really likes yeah. to intermingle characters. Um, not not necessarily a spoiler, but uh, in Captain Marvel, we've got Emma Frost who did also appear in right. um, her. Uh, uncanny x-men run as well as jessica jones so you do see a lot of characters in the kelly thompson family and as far as i'm concerned kelly thompson should be writing every marvel character um but just to (laughs) give you guys a little bit of background uh because again she's one of those writers for me who pretty much pretty much anything she puts out i will pick up uh kelly thompson is perhaps best known currently for her work on hawkeye which is the kate bishop series uh Mm -hmm. from about 2016 i believe but before that her first big comic series was actually gem and the holograms uh it was announced in 2014 that she took on the title that debuted i believe in 2015 uh when idw got the rights to gem and the holograms around that time she also worked on captain marvel and the carol Corps, which was a four issue limited series for Marvel's secret wars event she wrote that Mm -hmm. alongside kelly sue deconic uh and then she also joined the a-force writing team not for the mini series during the event, but for the ongoing 10 issue series that uh, spun out of Secret Wars alongside G. Willow Wilson. So there's a lot of uh, kind of names that that people tend to remember Kelly Sue DeConnick and G. Willow Wilson on those titles first. But Kelly Thompson was there uh, guiding these characters. And I, and I actually forgot about the Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps. So her legacy on Captain Marvel currently was a perfect fit. Right. Um, since then, as I kind of mentioned, she's tackled the X-Men with Rogue and Gambit, and then she did the series where they were married, Mr. and Mrs. X. Uh, she also worked on Uncanny X-Men with uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Um, she was also oh. chosen by Bendis himself to continue the <laughs> Jessica Jones comics, which, as, as you might know, that was a big deal. Bendis was the only main writer to, mm-hmm. to write the Jessica Jones title, uh, but she did such a good job when Jessica cameoed in the Hawkeye series that uh, it was a shoe-in for her. And... Um, She's known for great humor, prolific publishing schedule, as you guys can see, and the ability to capture distinct character voices in her wide array of projects. She's also, outside of Marvel superheroes, written the Captain Phasma series for Marvel, Power Rangers, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and she began as a staff writer for comicbookresources.com in 2009 through 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, She's also written some novels, and she she went Marvel exclusive in 2018 and has been nominated for several Eisner Awards. So that's a little bit about Kelly Thompson if you are prepared to dive into her uh, triple threat of uh, Marvel superheroes this week. But just a fantastic writer who has so many books on the shelves. I have no idea how she balances all of those projects, but but she's really incredible. And I think it's uh, important to notice what issues we're specifically highlighting. Um, Black Widow 3, Deadpool 8, and Captain Marvel 23. Like Those are three heavy hitters in the Marvel Universe that she is you know, that she's got control over. And these are all well with, I mean, eight, like if you get an issue eight, I mean, if you are looking in the comics, that's a, such a good sign because that means, you know, you most likely have an order for at least the second arc through 12, 13. So they have enough faith in her and how much, uh, and how talented she is as a writer to tackle all three of these incredible characters 
at the same time. Um, and like Amy was saying, like the incredible voice that she has for all of them. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you just like, all right, I'm going to turn off my Deadpool voice and now I'm going to go write Black Widow. Um, that is commendable in and of itself to make that transition. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and she's fantastic. And I, I'm really upset at myself for not knowing much more Kelly Thompson until Amy brought her to my attention with uh, Jessica Jones' blind spot. And I, burn through that but it was it was not when it was originally released digitally it was when marvel was releasing it um i think it was it was every month right or was it bi-weekly yeah, no, it, was it was every month yeah it was monthly i think yeah so uh, back in january right and and i have yet to read uh is it the purple daughter purple daughter purple daughter so i mean just uh everything so far that i have read of kelly thompson has been incredible i like i like to say i've got like an ros creator like a rain rain or shine like i'll pick up anything they do rain or shine and kelly thompson is definitely up there uh because she's never struck out as far as i'm personally concerned she's never struck out with anything i've read from her yeah and i also forgot one of her her greatest achievements i believe uh Uh is the she's partially responsible for the creation of jeff the land shark (laughs) now has his own hasbro legends figure so i mean once you've hit hasbro legends status you've made it it. yeah you've made it So I think that kind of concludes our our little focus on Kelly Thompson, but fabulous work. She is our busy bee of the week. Uh, Highly recommend you check out at least one, if not all of the books that she has on the shelves currently. Um, But up next, we've got our AIM segment. Uh, Paul, Paul, do you want to explain for the lovely folks who might be just joining us? What the heck is an AIM? I'm good. See, one oh, of okay. these days when Amy starts asking stop, questions. I got to stop making it a question. <laughs> think you're the boss of this whole thing. Just start telling me what Paul, to do. <laughs> tell the people, what is AIM? So AIM is our uh, very own acronym that we use to, uh, for lack of a better word, rate books, if you will. Um, it stands for accessibility, interest, and M. the M is monetary investment. Um, the A, as far as accessibility is, is how easy is it to grab and read, meaning two things. How easy is it for you to find at your local comic book store? And also, can you just pick this up and be content with it and understand it? Uh, Interest, very simple. Who would like this book? Um, And what is some of the interest that that particular issue has garnered around the comic book industry? And then the M for money or monetary investment, how much does it cost? And what are you getting as far as uh, what you're paying for? So that's what our segment is. We don't like to rate books because like we always say, or as Amy has said multiple times, what a three out of 10 for us might be a nine out of 10 for you. So we are not here to tell you how good a book is or isn't. We just want to tell you, you know, a couple things about it. So that is what the aim segment is. And I will lead us right into our first aim, which is um, a book that I picked up is the u.s oh is it you amy are you first you can go first if you want <laughs> no, no, if we no, no. the asset can you, can you put your asset up i'm, I'm good <laughs> I, i'm fine i'll hang out all right chris keep it up uh <laughs> this was going to be we were going to do a pick of the week but we did want to recognize kelly thompson but i yes. made sure it stayed on my list uh crossover number one from image comics uh sorry for the fake out there um <laughs> Written by Donnie Cates with art by Jeff Shaw, colors by D. Kniff, and uh, letters by John J. Hill. I almost wanted to say J. John Jameson. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> this is a book Paul admitted to me, and I, I felt the same way. Didn't know a whole lot about it going in, but yep. I think that you shouldn't know a whole lot about it going in. So I'm going to try to do my best not to spoil it, because um, I also don't know how I would spoil it. Uh <laughs> For accessibility, this is a true number one. It is a highly hyped up issue as well, so you should have no problem finding it. There are a multitude of variant covers, uh, both available for cover price, and there are some that are priced up uh, or maybe priced up at your local store because of their rarity. Um, yeah, I really don't want to spoil it, so I will give you the premise. <laughs> I will give you the premise that is on Image's website. I mean, for those of you who are watching, you see the cover is a young reader who is reading the cover, who is actually reading the crossover comic itself, and it's kind of like a mind blown situation. And Blowing that's how I felt. Mind. How I felt. Uh, it's a really nice meta cover. But imagine everything that you thought was fantasy was actually real, which means there's no separation of reality and fiction, which means reality as we know it is dead. Anything is possible. And comics are some of the most powerful stories of all. Um, Told you. I don't, I don't want to explain it any past that, but again, like that's what, what you need to know is reality is dead because everything that we thought is fantasy is real. So there's no real and fiction anymore. It's all one. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it is a bit of a mind trip uh for interest if you've ever worked in a comic book store or gotten joy out of the community of a comic book store uh or found hope in your favorite superhero you have to read this book it is it is essential reading for comic book people. Uh, if you think crossover events are exhausting or you even believe that stories can change the world, you'll also want to check this out <laughs> because it is very fun, uh, very metatextual on the nature of crossover events, but also uh, how storytelling impacts people. And that is not to compare it to, as we mentioned in a previous show, Commanders in Crisis, which deals with the actual idea of a crossover event of worlds, uh, but within one superhero kind of fiction. This is a crossover of different like realities which again are the the fake and the real uh, please don't look up anything further than this please don't spoil it for yourself just pick it up and enjoy it you will have your mind blown like the kid on the cover that we are carrying <laughs> here who is actually uh the background of my skype call uh thing here and I think uh, another fun and important thing to note is the book opens with a quote from Frederick Wortham's Seduction of the Innocent. And oh. for those of you who are playing along at home, that is an essay from the 50s about how comic books are corrupting the youth and are a serious cause of juvenile delinquency because of the, the stories that they encourage. <laughs> uh, so that's that sets the tone for this whole story, uh, which I think is, is perfect. Um, and for M, it's $3.99. It's a standard length issue for the page count. And it's mm -hmm. uh, even though it is a start of an event, uh, it's not in the vein of Marvel DC where they price up the book. Um, but in addition to uh, the $3.99, the issue features a billboard with a very uh, notably placed URL for an in-world church organization called lowbaptistministry.com, low, L-O-W-E. <laughs> but if you type in lowbaptistministry.com, it takes you to Donnie Cates' merch website where you can actually <laughs> purchased shirts from crossover so if you loved this issue as much as i did you might be ending up spending a little bit more money because there are some pretty cool uh shirts already available for crossover oh. uh so that's i think that's a fun and sneaky way to to advertise with the fact that marvel actually did that phone number for the thor issue where you could call tony stark i was yeah. like i wonder what happens when you put in this url and then bam it takes you to donny cates's merch website so uh Wonderful. that is all I'm going to say about crossover number one, I really don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, it's beautiful. I'm super excited. And I actually had only pulled the first issue because I wasn't sure. Heard a lot of hype about the issue. And I was like, mm, I don't know if it's going to be for me. As soon as I finished the issue, I actually said, oh, my God, out loud. And I ran back to my computer to put in a full series order uh, with my local store. So it is on my list. I am here for it. I am all in. Donny Cates is fantastic. <laughs> no, I don't want to put you on the spot, Amy, but do you know off the top of your head, is this like a mini, a maxi, an ongoing? I believe it's an ongoing series. Okay. As cool. far as I know, there was no indication of like one of a number. I believe, though, only three issues have been solicited so far. So Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. I'm I'm very very excited to read this book, and I know a lot of people out there are. Um, if you're out there and you are re you've picked this up, let us know. I'm really curious to see sort of what the temperature of the water is out there for people who uh, have picked up this book or not. Um, so for the, <laughs> I, I, I hope you love it too. I'm I'm gonna read it as soon as this show. I mean, you know, I have a whole job to do, but as soon as I'm done with that, I'm gonna read this book. Um, so back to what I was originally saying before I rudely interrupted Amy. Uh, I'm going to aim for you all. U.S. Agent Number One, written by Christopher Priest. Uh, George uh, Janti is the artist. Carl Story is doing all of the inks, and Matt Miller is doing the colors on that. So John Walker is a former super patriot, uh, patriot who has been stripped of his official. U.S. agent uh, status and is now operating as an independent government contractor. And he kind of goes to a uh, it's, he goes to a real small town uh, to sort of, for lack of a better word, sort out their problems for them. Um, now, this is an interesting book. I'll jump right into uh, the aim of this. So, as far as accessibility goes, this is as again, it's really hard to find true number ones uh, within the big two, because there's usually a lot of context that you need to even understand, like, who is this person? Um, but John Walker, the U.S. agent, is not a character that I think a ton... I mean, there's obviously going to be hardcore Marvel fans out there that know who John Walker is and his story, but he's relatively underutilized. Um, and for like, I mean, honestly, he's kind of largely ignored within, I think, Marvel writing because of what he is he's like this uh opposite shadow of captain america and he's written that way on purpose and i just don't think there's been a need to utilize him lately but um this book 
I believe fell into the chasm of the pre-pandemic uh, show and movie schedule because the U.S. agent is has been reported to be in the Captain America and Winter Soldier uh, or Falcon, I'm sorry, Falcon Winter Soldier TV show. So you can, I can definitely see they were uh, planting some seeds there, but um, this is actually a, sort of like a smaller indie book for Marvel. It's, it hasn't really had a whole lot of marketing behind it, but, um, and I, again, I don't know what came first, like if, if there was ever a plan for it, but uh, you should be able to find this pretty easily at your local comic book store. Um, and you don't really need to know much about John Walker, the U.S. agent, before getting into this book. You can just pick it up, and it sort of gives you everything that you need to know about him uh, personally. Um, really easy, right off the top. Anything Captain America can do, he can usually do. He just doesn't have the moral compass, you know, guiding him, uh, you know, unfortunately. So, um, but he's a really interesting character. I had, uh, I'm just going to jump right into... Um, the interest here, the eye and aim. Uh, the book is really fun, and I really loved, loved, loved the art here by uh, Georges Janti. It's fantastic. Um, also, the Marco Shishido cover, Amy. Like, how great is that? Right. Oh my God. I mean, like, I mean, we're but we're huge fans of him at the Comic Call from his Daredevil work. Yes. Um. So it's, I mean, it, it's really hard. Like, I saw this and I was like. I really like that cover. And of course it was Marco. So um, <laughs> I, I legitimately was going to pick this up just for that alone, but I stayed for the story because it's fantastic. Uh, Christopher Priest is a great writer. Um, he's done some pretty iconic. Um, I think he's, he's had a lot of iconic uh, Black Panther work out there as well. That's kind of really helped build the lore for Wakanda and, and um, surrounding characters. But um, <laughs> so the art is incredibly dramatic in this. It's super, super dynamic. Uh, it, it really does play and look like a Captain America book. If you've read any Captain America within the last 20 years, you will feel comfortable reading this book because it feels very similar. Uh, I love that he has a shield that um, is government issued. So it's not uh, vibranium. It's not adamantium. It's like the best that the U.S. government can make. So he has like 50 of them because they break all the time so <laughs> i really love that um and i had a really really weird like if you liked these properties um you'll like this book it is a mixture <laughs> of jason Bourne, okay and rush hour now i know very different stories but there is a uh an aspect in this where uh john walker is tasked uh reluctantly to uh, sort of solve the problems in this book with a uh, Chinese American citizen, and they have those like very different, those very different uh, cultures. That is very jarring, which I think is what made Rush Hour very popular. It's like that um, that the difference in culture, and it's very similar. And then I looked it up, and Christopher Priest actively said he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I got some Rush Hour vibes from it, so I really wanted to lean into that." It's like, <laughs> and, and it totally makes sense. It's really fun. Um, and again, this book is only jumping over into the M into the monetary value. It's only three ninety nine. It's a uh, really standard issue, a standard size. It's twenty eight pages. Um, not really many ads in this, so you're getting about twenty six uh, pages of material there. And as far as I know, um, it's an ongoing. I didn't see that it was a mini or maxi. So uh, that's U.S. Agent number one, uh, well, John Walker, U.S. Agent number one by Marvel. Uh, I think you should pick it up if you're interested in the character or you really kind of want to get all your ducks in a row before you watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think this is a good book to help you do that. All right. Up next, I'm reviewing the Stranger Things Dungeons and Dragons crossover. <laughs> uh, not to be confused with the crossover I just talked about, but uh, this is Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons from IDW, uh, written by Jody Hauser and Jim Zub, with art by Diego Galindo, colors by Masasic, and letters by Nate Piekos. Um, so this is actually really fun and exciting. It is a licensed Dungeons and Dragons use uh, of story. Jody Hauser, uh, we've talked about her before. We even had her on this summer as a guest, but she is the queen of fandom comics. Uh, and Jim Zub has been working on some of the Dungeons and Dragons stories, including, I believe, the Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons crossover. Uh, so this is a really fun kind of uh, a, a natural pairing, of course, for the 80s nostalgia. Um, where we take Stranger Things, our favorite Dungeons and Dragons playing geeks, and uh, unite them together with the actual kind of uh, property of D&D. &D. Uh, so 
A, for accessibility, this is a really strong number one issue. And like I discussed with the Halloween special a few weeks back, it's actually a prequel to the television series. It is set in the time before the show begins. So you mm. technically don't have to know what happens all the way up through season three uh, to to uh, understand the story. I, I, as of the first issue, don't you don't even have to know what happens in the first two episodes of the show. Um, so it is very much showing how the boys, um, who, who we see Mike... Uh, Mike, Lucas, and Will are already friends, but we get to see them meet Dustin and kind of welcome Dustin into the group as they begin uh, a Dungeons and Dragons adventuring party. Um, so you're likely at least a little familiar with the world of the show. If you absolutely aren't, uh, or you don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, this might be a little bit of a miss for you. But otherwise, I think it is a very, very uh, easy to dive into book. Um, for interest, if you're a fan of 80s nostalgia, Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to enjoy this book. Fans of Stranger Things won't want to miss this. And as I mentioned, Jody Hauser has covered so many fandoms in her work, most recently Stranger Things, but of course also Orphan Black, Star Wars, and Doctor Who. Uh, she really, really loves the properties. You can tell there's a lot of uh, respect for the characters and the worlds. Jody Hauser and Jim Zub are both uh, prolific gamers as well, and I know that they are tabletop fans as well. Uh, so this is a, a a really great blending of all of those sensibilities, and the the language is uh, pretty accurate to the show, which also means there's a couple of swear words thrown around as kids in the '80s apparently did. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty accessible for young readers, but you do want to watch out for those uh, couple of uses of profanity and then for the uh monetary it is 3.99 and it is part one of a four-part miniseries so overall the the series will run you about 16 bucks if you're in it for the long haul however and this is a weird thing for me to recommend this issue works really nicely as a one-shot so if if you didn't want to continue after the first issue you'd still get enough of a story to be like this was a really nice little stranger things adventure however there's going to be more story uh, i'm compelled to see where they go because they they finish their first adventure by the end of the story and of course okay. there's more and they get into more of the D&D books um, so you could really stop at the first one if you wanted but I don't recommend it uh, I would recommend sticking with the series because again it's four issues they're all going to be $3.99 um, and it was really fun and the art was really great uh, again and I haven't read all of the Stranger Things series so I don't know how frequently they do this but the likenesses are fantastic uh, really good likenesses to the actors in the show. And they, yeah. they get everybody from all four of the boys down to Nancy Wheeler and the parents. Uh, and so it's, they're, they're immediately recognizable, which really just makes this, the book uh, kind of sail through the story. So yeah, I think, I think that's an important part with such a, a property as widely recognized as stranger things. So, and even Dungeons and Dragons too. I mean, you've got hardcore fans of both of those properties on each side. Yes, no and there's, pressure, Jody. there's some fun uh, dice mechanics and math in the first issue. So you math nerds out there who like probability and what what the likelihood is that you're going to slay a bugbear or something with your <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think the bugbear was the thing they were fighting. And that's but it's 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 fun D&D table talk. So if you're a tabletop gamer, I think I think you'll enjoy this as well. And it's of course, it's the 80s. So Dungeons and Dragons was not in their fifth edition. So this is like classic style. uh Back down to basics, Dungeons and Dragons. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, which is a, would you call it like the heyday of D&D, maybe? I mean, I think, I think nowadays is actually like the new renaissance of D&D, but this of course is the classic, uh, right. classic era. And, and there's a lot of beauty to be found in the simplicity of the classic era. And I mean, no. simplicity by today's standards, because it's extremely complex as well as a as a game system. Anyways, I don't want to get into the <laughs> that, but it but it's a it's a perfect blend of a, a show that celebrates nostalgia and a a look at the gaming nostalgia for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. I mean, based off that cover alone, I'm I'm sold. It looks. I don't know. I don't. I don't know much, that much about either property. I've seen Sandra things, but uh, I'd be sold just on the uh, Dustin with the. Is it? It's liar. Is it pronounced liar or Lear? I think he's got a loot. I think with that's a loot. loot. I'm not sure. <laughs> I am not a. I'm not a music person, but uh, of course we do see Will the Wise, uh, Lucas the Lion, I believe, or Lucas the Lionheart, and then uh, Dustin of Dwarven Forge. Mike's character didn't get a name because Mike is serving as the dungeon master. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, this is, but you get to see the origins of Will the Wise, which is oh, arguably nice. the best part. So, <laughs> alrighty, so highly recommend it. 
moving on to our last aim of the week um i won't spend as much time on this one because it is sort of in the middle of its arc but i am going to aim for you all spy island number three uh written by chelsea kane art by elise mccall colors by uh rochelle rosenberg and the so the cover art and the uh, photos used in this comic, that's right, the photos used in this comic are by uh, Leah Maternarik, who helped create this with Chelsea Kane. Um, I actually wrote the description out for how Chelsea Kane had uh, solicited this back in previews because I loved it so much. Uh and it says, recent mermaid attacks have everyone on the edge. Beaches are closed. Super spy Nora Freud, uh, Freud must team up with her friends in order to expose the sinister underbelly of a vast marine cryptozoology conspiracy. In local news, though, the Mermaid Hut down by the marina is pleased to announce a 10% off sale on mermaid tooth necklaces while supplies last. Um, so I uh, there's definitely this weird and fun dichotomy in this book. Um, if you are not familiar with with uh spy island it is this grand wonderful four issue only story that um kane is scripting and it's basically you've got the island uh the you've got spy island which is in the middle of the bermuda triangle which is sort of what you're seeing uh here in the cover which is an interdimensional sort of view of what the uh, bermuda triangle looks like and You've got a spy, Nora uh, Freud, and she is tasked with protecting the island. That's all I'm going to tell you, because just like with crossover, Amy was saying, I don't want to spoil too much for you. It's best if you just go into this and not know what you're expecting. I actually aimed the first issue a couple, uh, I think a couple of months back. Um, I love this book. I have been like gushing over this book for a long time. It is so much fun. Um, so as far as the A in AIM goes, accessibility, this has actually been a hit for Dark Horse as far as um, completely creator-owned stories go. It's not, you know, based off any other IP. So it should be easy to find because they are getting at least one other variant aside from Cover A a week. Uh, so what's behind me, uh, If and I'm sorry if you're on the podcast, I'll do my best to describe it, but it is the, um, the Leah Maternarique variant cover for issue number two, and you've got the Kraken behind me. And this, this is sort of like the uh, Spy Island postcards uh, set, basically, that she has. Because Spy Island is an island, but it's also a tourist destination for those who can afford to know all of the conspiracy theories and cryptozoological, cryptozoological you know, happenings that exist in the world. So That's you, a $20 word right there. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, world. Um, <laughs> but, oh, Paul. Amy's like, I didn't know he knew words that long. <laughs> so it's totally fair. Get it. Um, but as far as the accessibility goes, you should be able to find this. Um, now, of course, this is issue three, and it's a creator-owned story. So you can't just pick up issue three, no matter how pretty it looks uh, on the cover there, um, and just kind of jump right into it. But you should be able to find issue one and two pretty easily at our local comic book shop. Um, I did find, I did see issue one and two. Granted, they were both second prints, which is encouraging uh, because really, really fun fact, quick fun fact, Spy Island was supposed to come out in March. Issue one didn't come out till August. But, you know, the world got crazy and everything happened. And before issue one even hit stands in March, before it was announced, uh, it actually was already going into second print. It, it had sold out at the uh, the order level. So I, I think it's a book that a lot of people really, really were excited for. And then everything sort of happened. And then when it released in August, uh, the the first, you had all of the first prints and then all of the second prints. So you should be able to find these somewhere. I promise uh, there, there should, they should be uh, readily available one and two. So as far as the interest goes, uh, like I said, it continues to be one of my favorite books out there. I had absolutely no idea. I was going to love this book that much. Um, I was telling Amy, it's got flavors of like sex criminals, cabin in the woods, lost, all sorts of really weird stories that you could that you would not expect to come from just what you're looking at on the cover. Um, it's really, really funny. It's really funny. Like, not like, oh, this is comedy. Like, it's legitimately funny where there's moments where I've had myself laughing out loud. Um, <laughs> and uh, my girlfriend was just telling me, 
you know, hey, you need to uh, stop and leave or go somewhere else. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Ch Chelsea Kane and Elise McCall are a dynamic duo uh, on this book. Hi, I could not recommend it enough. Um, but before I gr uh, gush over it so much more, uh, you've got to pick up one and two so you can understand three 100%. And then as far as um, the monetary investment money goes, it's three ninety nine, and there are 32 pages. Now, uh, I did find something in this that is really interesting. There is not one ad in this whole book, Amy. Oh, wow. One. So you were getting 32 pages of content. And the front, you obviously have the beautiful cover. And then on the back, you get every issue. You get a, like, I've got, you're not going to be able to see it, but I've got, like, the back issue here. And it's an ad for uh, Itch Be Gone, Sand Flea Formula for the, to get rid of the large sand fleas so they don't ruin your tan. Um, and it's, it's, it's so fun. And there's like maps of where you can go. It's very like, think of like the comedic version of like what Hickman would do with his maps where he kind of like, you know, shows you this is what you can expect. Um, they do that, but on like, again, at, on like a comedy level. So that's like the uh, the fake advertisements in uh, Bitch Planet for like yes uh, exactly hypnotizing goggles or like pretty lipsticks and stuff. And I think that's a that's a fun yeah. uh, trend that some writers tend to do for their creator owned books is those and, fake advertisements. And they do a great job. Uh, issue, I mean, all all three issues have been great. And if you're worried about it, you know, because it is dense. There's 32 pages of just story. It's only four issues. Uh, it's wrapping up next month so um it's not that it's not that much of a monetary investment per issue but then as far as the whole series goes so uh spy island please go read it which i will say it's a four issue mini series which also means if you can't for some reason find issues one and two then you can hang on because there's a trade paperback likely available to pre-order already yeah. from your store and you just have to wait for issue four to come out and then the trade comes out so mm -hmm. uh you do have options there whether you backtrack or you move forward yeah. uh because trade sales do also help uh, the books. So we do have a rapid fire round where we're going to just quickly name off the rest of our pull list. Um, and in this, we will hopefully answer uh, Victor Solace in the Let Your Geek Sideshow group wants to know if either of us picked up The Last Ronin number one, which is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle book. Mm -hmm. I can say with certainty, I unfortunately did not. Uh, but here are the other books I picked up this week. As I mentioned before, Black Widow number three and Captain Marvel number 23. I've also got Avengers number 38, Thor number nine, which is the start of a six-issue arc. So if you want to jump in on Thor, Thor number nine is the place to do it. Um, I've got X-Men and Marauders number 14. Both of those are number 14. More uh, Ten of Swords event going on. Buffy the Vampire Slayer number 14 from Boom Studios as a fan favorite character. Finally makes her first appearance. Uh, and then I've got Vampire the Masquerade number four from Vault Comics, which is, of course, based on the tabletop role-playing game. Fabulous, fabulous story. Yes. Um, and so, Victor, to answer your question, uh, so Ronan came out last week, I believe. So I did pick it up, but I didn't pick it up for myself. I, I'm not a, a Turtles reader, but my brother-in-law in Texas is a, like, lifelong diehard Turtles fan. So I actually picked up the cover for him, and I'm shipping it to him. So sort of? I guess. <laughs> Sorry. But the other books that I did pick up are Batman 102. Uh, we are in the second issue of Tinian's new run after Joker War. De uh, deceased. Dead Planet number five. Hellblazer. Rise and Fall number two. Justice League number 56. Uh, I did pick up Crossover number one as well. Um, that Texas Blood number five, which I, I love so much. But Amy says I can't keep talking about that book because I talk about it all the time. So Texas Blood number five. Avengers number 38. Black Widow number three. Um, Captain Marvel number 23 and X-Men number 14. Yeah. So, um, actually a small week for me. I, I think all things considered, <laughs> which it feels like I was talking forever, but it's kind of a small week. Please let it be known that I don't actually censor Paul's book choices. No, 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 no. <laughs> she'll, she'll never admit it live. Um, <laughs> But we did get a question from uh, Christopher Ahern on Facebook. What is your input on the coming story of Endless Winter? Paul, do you want to field that one real quick before we go to our hauler segment? Sure, Chris, uh, Christopher. So really quickly, um, I'm very, very excited for it. I do love that they are ambitiously uh, wrapping up everything in the month. You're getting about three issues um, I believe three separate stories coming out a week. So everything should be wrapped up by the new year for this book. I'm really excited for it. Um, I love um, any really smaller, small contained events. So Endless Winter, 
I will be reading it, Christopher. If you're reading it, reach out to me. Let me know. We can just talk about it all day. I'll come over, bring pizza, whatever. But uh, I'm super excited for Endless Winter. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about it, mostly from Paul's reports. Uh, I do like the idea of the like Norse god who who yes. has frozen the world, kind of. But I'm I'm more looking forward to Future State as hopefully a point to jump in because I am, yes. as you might realize, not reading a lot of DC comics currently. Uh, but hopefully that'll change with with and after Future State. <laughs> now uh, we do have our final segment coming up right now. This is our Holler at the Hall segment. This is where we ask you guys a very very uh, important question each week, and we uh, take the time to read some of your responses on the air. Uh, last week we heard your spine chilling tales of comic book collecting <laughs> on awry. Uh, we've had comics in the bathroom when the toilet flooded. We've got long boxes breaking. We've got all the tales of horror. So we wanted to hear this week uh, what you guys do to protect your books. So this week we did ask you, you bag and board them. How often do you unbox them to reread them? What do you do? How do you protect your books? Right. So our first response was, uh, we get and we get these questions in the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group, but right. you guys can always email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com. Or reach out to us on social. Uh, our first response is from Sean Kinsey, who sent in a lovely photograph uh, that goes with this. Um, and he says, I bag and board my comics and have them in order. And for the white boxes, I decided to paint them to the character and put a sticker on the front of what the character is. So you guys are seeing currently his collection of painted boxes. I can see, uh, I really like the Fantastic Four one where the lid has the thing, orange kind of cracature on the top. Um, I, I really dig that. Uh, I think it's Ghost Rider down there. Um Second to last shelf on the left there. That one's really rad. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Now I see what you're talking about. That is Ghost Rider, right? We will post this uh, this up on if, – if you can't see it, it is in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group on our thread, so you can check that out. But if you are unable to see it right now because you are listening to the podcast, go to geeksideshow.com. Uh, we will have a full blog posted up that features all the covers that we discussed today as well as any of the images from uh, this Holler at the Hall segment. So, Paul, would you like to take us into the next response? Yes. Uh, Katie Breedlove says, We bag and board all our single issues, uh, and we have storage bins for them. We are behind in reading, so we do open them to read. If we still have digital editions available, though, we will download these two for rereading. Uh, I typically uh, do not open my older issues if they have an omnibus or trade that goes with them. Uh, they... They oh they stay part of the collection. I am not necessarily concerned with the condition, as it's more that I want to own them um, and I plan to get them graded. Yeah, so, it's, it's yeah. more that she wants to own them than rather than get them graded. Oh right, key missed a keyword there. Yeah, um, shout out to Katie Breedlove, fantastic uh, sideshow team member as well, and a, a frequent uh, comic book collaborator. Uh, also, she loves Namor. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Next up, Chris uh, Chris Favaza says, bagged and boarded for sure, but then I've got them stored in plastic uh, BCW supplies bins, that's that's the name of the brand, mm -hmm. uh, in a closet away from any shot of moisture. Any number one, uh, any signed number ones get bagged, boarded, or CGC'd and placed in a fire safe box. Trades dominate my bookcase under some sideshow statues. So nice. I like that. I also, I also have a couple comic books in a fire safe box uh, just in case fire season comes around and it's like... <laughs> I need the I need these books, but uh, yeah, you got you kind of run the gamut there. Bag boarded. I am very curious about the plastic supply bins. A lot of people on the thread mentioned they prefer those yeah. to the cardboard boxes. Uh, maybe even so, after we heard how many cardboard boxes accidentally got ripped in our horror stories. Uh, so and yeah, we got one one more very unique, very uh, unique. Um, and I do like uh, in that thread that we had, Amy, before we read this last one by Eric Fay, that we did have more than one person say, hey, like I'm actually bookmarking this thread because I'm getting a lot of ideas for how to store all my comics. So that's really cool to see. It's the yes. community helping the community. So. Um, so Eric Fay says, I keep my comics in, a, in filing cabinets. And we, oh yes, Eric did send in some awesome pictures here. Uh, he says, I keep my comics in filing cabinets. I hate comic boxes. They just don't seem right to me. I bag and board my comics. I never really ever reread them. It's a full-time gig just to keep current with current comics. Uh, and then he sent in another picture. Let's see, do we, are we there yet? There we go. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I have two ways I organize my comics too. Uh, that helps. Uh, if they are an ongoing title. I put them in alphabetical order. For all the miniseries, though, I have a different section, and those I have put in a chronological order by the year they came out. Um, and you can very clearly see, I uh, this is the first time I've ever seen someone put them in a filing cabinet. I didn't know that that was allowed. Like, I didn't know I you love, could do that. 
I love how they fit. I love the the plastic binder tabs with the that kind of stick up above. That reminds me of a lot of comic book stores have their sections mm-hmm. filed. But I think most creatively, and I and I'm pretty sure it's it might just be decorative. But how they're organized is that he's got magnets for representing yes. the character and what's what is inside of uh, that cabinet, uh, which I think is is fantastic. I love the idea of having them upright. You don't have to lug the box out. You can just pull the shelf out. Um, and yeah, this the the thread was was filled with fantastic ideas. I think the reigning champion, of course, is bags and boards, and then a box. Uh, I saw some people talk about binder sleeves. I used to use binder sleeves when my collection was a cute one hundred books. Uh, <laughs> I actually kept them in like two inch thick binders, and I had them all separated, and then quickly graduated to boxes. There's long boxes, short boxes. A lot of people get their CGC graded. Um, of course, anyone who gets them CGC graded is not cracking open the slabs to reread them. Uh, but but I, I, a lot of people had great feedback about uh, whether they reread them or not. Uh, the digital editions that Katie Breedlove mentioned, always a smart way to, to think about that. A lot of your Marvel books will come with a free digital edition, so you can always be on the lookout for that. Uh, so there, there was some great, hopefully that was a nice balm uh, to soothe our, our terror <laughs> from the, the, the horror stories last week. But again, you guys can always... Uh, Send us your responses to the questions in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group or via our email. And we do have a new question for you this week. Paul, would you like to uh, read that out for us? Yes, I do. Uh, so, yes, I would. I do. Sorry. Uh, new question is, who is the comic book writer that originally got you into comics or got you back into comics? So, who is the comic book writer that originally got you into comics or got you back into comics? Um now we mentioned writer because we we will of course do uh, which artist of course because I know people have a lot of opinions about which artists are their favorites so that's coming in a later episode but for this particular one which writer originally got you into comics or back into comics um, we will be posting this up I believe uh, sorry we will be posting this up on Friday where you guys can all respond to us in the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group you can always email us at the Comics Hall at sideshow.com or reach out to us on any of our social channels which is uh, Facebook. Uh, the Facebook page, uh, Twitter, and of course, Instagram. And we're at the Comics Hall everywhere. Yes. I think that about does it. That's all of our our beautiful hashtags handles. Want to thank everybody who participated last week in our spooktacular giveaways as well. Uh, Winners have been contacted for both uh, Paul's Doctor Strange giveaway and my Poison Ivy uh, fine art print. There were three fantastic recreations of the art print. I appreciate everybody who who put on their best uh, redheaded look uh, and got got in some leaves for those yes. pictures. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, so we are back on schedule now. Uh, we we might have a Geeksgiving episode coming up at some point, but we'll see. We've still got a couple of normal weeks this month uh, for your new comic book Wednesday. So once again, uh, we will see you guys back here next Wednesday for new books. Uh, check out our podcast if you didn't join us live. And if you're checking out the podcast, try to join us live sometime. We'd love to have you in the chats. Thank you guys so much for watching. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been the Comics Hall. This has been the Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at the Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, don't forget to let your geek side show.